0: A very good morning to you all. It's such a blessing uh, to be here with my family and be able to bring to you God's word. Now, before we go straight to the scriptures, I would like to do something that is very unusual. Um, I know I'm a visitor, so when I'm done, the elders will remain correcting it if if it's something wrong or doctrinal error. So I'd like to ask all the men to stand. Men, please stand. Of course, I said doctrinal error, everybody now is cautious. All right. Okay, so our ladies and our mothers and our sisters, if there is any man standing next to you, just look at them or shake their hand and just say, Happy Father's Day. All right, so we may take our seats. I know some men were saying, look, I'm not yet a father. And some of you, made, some made fun of you. Uh, just when we go outside, remind them that I was just not looking at you, but I was looking at the potential and the possibility that in God's providence, perhaps you will eventually be a husband and a father. All right. Well, we are grateful to the Lord for his blessing upon us um, as a church at Evangel Baptist. And thank you very much, Elder, for even bringing the church to the Lord in prayer. There's something very interesting that is going on here at uh, Kawata Baptist that we always are looking at the corner of our eye and checking and seeing what God is doing. And we are so excited. And we always thank the Lord for what's happening, and that is the work of uh, missions and the work of planting churches. And this morning, you get to experience the work of God in the sense that you have uh, the church plant of uh, Hillview Baptist Church that I think almost a good amount of the number of the church is not here because they're participating in what's happening And so when I was uh, invited as your visiting preacher, I asked the question that what is it that the Lord would have us learn while we are here, and the other part of the church is doing what's happening at Hillview Baptist Church. And so I thought the Lord would do well, and he does, to remind us that in a day and occasion such as this, it is only important that we are reminded that Christ is building his church. Christ is building his church. At times we tend to think, well, it's just happening and somebody is just being installed or ordained and that is what's going on there and these are just but part and parcel of the activities of the efforts of the local church and so praise the Lord and let all those who can celebrate go there and all. But we forget the fact that Behind all that, Christ is building his church. And so this morning, I'd like to invite you from the text that we read, my focus is on Matthew 16 and only verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse 18. This was a great conversation going on between Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus turns and asks his disciples a very simple question, but yet profound. And Jesus simply says, who do people say I am? Who am I? What do you think? And so the disciples go back and forth. Some say, well, there are people who say you are John the Baptist. It's Perhaps John the Baptist has risen and you are the one. Others say, well, you probably are the prophet Jeremiah, because when we read about the ministry of Jeremiah, it seems you have carried the spirit and the work of the prophet Jeremiah. Others say, well, I think the kind of ministry you have and the kind of a person you are, I think this is the ministry of Elijah. So you probably are the Elijah we've been reading about in the Old Testament. Well, others also said, well, probably you are just the prophet, the prophet that is prophesied and was indicated to us perhaps by Moses when he said there is coming a prophet greater than I. But Jesus turns around, as is always the occasion, we easily uh, are quick to give the answers and the responses of other people. But Jesus makes it very personal, and he says, but whom do you say? I am. Whom do you say I am? Obviously, there was a bit of silence because nobody wants to be exposed. It is such a moment that you expect a, uh, a disciple like Nathanael because the Bible tells us that Nathanael was was this kind of a person without guile, meaning he was a man straightforward and he was one of those Jews who was really looking for the Messiah in the rightful way. And Jesus commends him for being in such a posture. And so you expect such a person to rise up quickly and say, yeah, I know who you are, but Nathanael doesn't do that. You expect Philip to rise because Philip is there who first meets the Lord and quickly runs to Nathanael and tells Nathanael, Nathanael, come and see. We have found him, him whom we've been waiting for. And he brings Nathanael. And do you expect Philip to arise to the occasion and say, yeah, you are the Messiah. I remember the first time I saw you. I quickly knew that you are the one we're waiting for. But he doesn't. And then Peter stands up Um Except the Lord tells us that God has revealed it to him. Peter is quick to say, you are the Messiah. You are the one. You are the savior of the world. You are the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus immediately looks at Peter and says in verse 18. At 17. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And that's a very important qualifier. This is not just your thoughts. This is not just something that has happened in your heart and you have reasoned it out. But listen to what has really happened. But my Father who is in heaven, he's the one who's revealed this truth to you, Peter. Now, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, let's pray once again. Father in heaven, we are reminded that this was revealed by you unto Peter. And you affirmed it by your response And that, Lord, upon that confessed truth, you have been building your church. And this hour, Lord, we are privileged to be alive in such a time and season when we can witness and yet at the same time participate in the leaps and bounds of your construction of your church. And so, Lord, may this dawn upon us through your scriptures this morning to remind us of this glorious work as you build your church. And so, Lord, we pray, build your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well then, church, here Jesus says, I will build my church. I want to bring to you a number of aspects that we'll look at from just this verse. I want you to observe that the Bible begins by saying in verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus, first of all, tells us that there is a building or there is a work of construction that is doing. We observe, secondly, he tells us of the architect and the engineer, the master builder, and he says, I will build my church. Thirdly, we quickly observe that there's a foundation upon which this church or this building is being constructed. And he tells us, upon this rock, I will build my church. Fourthly, he tells us that you see, this church is not just having a honeymoon. He says the church is going to be in a warfare. And he says there are the gates of hell. And then uh, uh, number five or fifth, he says that these gates of hell will not prevail. The church will persevere to the end. And so these things Jesus reminds us this morning as he did to the disciples. And this is what I would like us to go through. I want first and foremost to draw your attention to the picture of a construction site. And I want you to keep in mind two things, because upon those two things, I will challenge your hearts at the end of the day. And that is, when you go to a construction site, uh, if you remember the time you were building your two-story building behind here, or just go in town and think of one of the tallest buildings that we have and is under construction. When you go to, those two build, to, to that area, you will notice two things. You probably have never thought about it, but you will think about it as I go on preaching. There are two structures that are always going up. There is the main building upon which brick and mortar is being put, and eventually will be that wonderful structure. But there is also another thing that is going along with that main building, and we call it the scaffolding. Or the scaffold. And those are the things that are being built around the building. And they go very well along the building. And as much effort is being put in the building, so is being put in the scaffolding. Because the scaffolding can't be weak. If it's weak, the workers and everybody else will find themselves in dangerous accidents and it will be painful and it will be a sad story. And so the engineers in here know very well, first of all, the importance of the scaffolding, and also the, the need for that work around the building to be in good structure. With that scaffolding, the building that is being built is going to become a wonderful building. Now, I want you to put those two things in mind as we go through the Bible. So the Bible says the first thing that we observe in this text is that there is this building. And Jesus says, he calls it my church. He calls it my church. It is not a mere material construction that is going on out there. But it seems this building seems to be very unique. And Jesus really personalizes it. He calls it my construction. My construction. If you go to any construction today, and especially those of you who are building houses, and you go and look at the owners, you see them, they will come on site. They could be the engineer on site, or they could be the bricklayer and all the workers. They can have all the celebration going on around that construction. But when the owner shows up, even the master builder there behaves himself, right? they tuck in and then they begin to follow the owner as he inspects the building and he has his hands uh, in his pockets or merely kimbo as he walks around and sees manja amwale apa And amwale will explain. And if it's not amwale, it's a chanda. I chachibashana and chanda will be very, no, we know And there will be all that going on there. They are all trying to explain. That man, he's the owner of the structure. And if he says, no, break that wall and replace it with this, you have to abide. No matter how Mwale and Chanda try to explain, they will not convince him otherwise because he is the owner of the construction. The Lord Jesus tells us here that this church, this gathering, which he tells us in in the Greek language that is used here, the ecclesia, I'm simply meaning the gathering of people, that God himself is drawing them to himself, they are his construction. They are his people. He is putting them together as brick and mortar for his own glory, for his own intention. Therefore, Jesus tells us that these people that he's drawing to himself, and we will see as we go on, are believing in Jesus, are believing in the truth of the gospel, are repenting of their sins, and he himself is the one who is converting them and making them his own. Now, this construction that he's doing, please keep in mind, it is not just going on in Lusaka. It is not just going on in Kavwe. It is not just going on in Zambia. And we may be celebrating with what's happening with God's word here in Zambia. Praise the Lord. But you see, the work of Jesus Christ is beyond us. It is beyond the Bible demonstrates. It's beyond tribe. It is beyond tongue. It is beyond a nation. It is beyond history. It is stretching out into the future. We just heard during our pastoral prayer that the Lord has been doing a work in Hungary for over a thousand years. You see, Jesus Christ is constructing a church. Jesus Christ is gathering a people for himself. You see, there are many times we quickly forget what Jesus is doing, and at times we begin to think it is us who are really doing it. You know we are building, you know we are planting, you know we are achieving such levels as far as the church is concerned. But dear beloved, this morning I would like to encourage you and remind you that don't lose focus of the fact that the church belongs to Jesus. The work of the church is the work of Christ. It is Jesus who is drawing one after the other and bringing them to himself. I would like to remind each one of you to go back in history when you were an unchristian. You will agree with me as the Bible says you were dead in sin. That at that moment you never thought in your mind that you can build a church or become part of a church. It is Christ who began the work in you. Some, yes, we were out there involved in an unbelievable, unbelievable kind of a life. Some, yes, we were simply focused on the accolades and the, the progress that the world can provide for us. Some were immense in education. Others were immense in business and we were all scattered out there. It is Christ himself that brought the gospel to you and I. It is Christ himself that convinced you and convicted your your heart that you are a sinner. Turn around and look at me, believe in me, call upon me and be saved. It was Christ that he, one after the other, began to fill these benches. He brought you, he brought her, he brought him, he brought her, and one after the other bringing us into this place And building us one upon the other and we became part of his church. And so beloved, Jesus then turns around and says, I will build my church. I am building my church. And so keep that in mind. It is Christ who is building his church. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1. I'd like to show you a few scriptures, one or two. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. The Bible says, And he put all things under, that's the Father, put all things under his feet, and that is the feet of Christ, and gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is his body. It is Christ who is the honor and building and the father working through Christ. But it doesn't end there. Go to chapter 2, still in Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, that is in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Church, don't lose sight of that. It is Christ's work. It is Christ working in us and for Himself. It is Christ modeling the church as it grows into a glorious and wonderful temple. What is then the purpose and place of this visible church? Definitely you are thinking about, oh, okay, KBC. Oh, okay, Evangel. Well, I'm talking about the invisible church. I'm talking about the church of Christ that is spread across denominations, that is spread across language, tongues, and tribe, that is spread across nations, that today is gathered as the Lord Jesus Christ looks down and he's glorified. I'm reminded of one in prayer, said these words. That the church has gathered today across the globe. And in one area they are singing and in the other area they are praying. And in the other area they are carrying out whatever would be termed worship. And all is happening across the globe. And it is rising together as a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. And Jesus is glorified. So the question we ask is, what is the place of the physical church? Here we are. I'll draw you back to the illustration I began with. This building and all other activities are merely scaffolds keep that in mind, are merely scaffolds. You see, you and I are merely instruments in the hands of God. We have put in place these beautiful buildings. We have put in place beautiful programs. We have put in place beautiful uh, uh, activities that circle around the life of Christ and the life of the church. I want to remind you as I go on that keep in mind that these are like scaffolding. These are but instruments in the hands of a holy God. There's a danger at times that we fall in that we forget and stop focusing on what Christ has said, this is my church. And guess what we begin to focus on? The scaffolding. The scaffolding. And Jesus is saying, I am building my church. He's not saying, I am building my scaffolding. He's saying, I am building my church. And he's saying, be be reminded and put your mind and heart on the church that he is building. And don't be overwhelmed and carried away by just the scaffolding around the main building. The second thing. Observe with me again from our text. He reminds us of the builder. I will build. I will build. Obviously, you would be, especially wives and sons and daughters, you would be a bit concerned if your father showed up and he says, I will build my, my house. You will be very glad to say, yeah, dad is building a house. But then he comes around and says, no, no, no. I will be the one behind the, the trowel and the mortar, and I will be doing everything. I will build it physically. Now, if your dad is not a builder, and he has no knowledge of building, you will say, but dad, where are you coming from? And he say, no, I'm doing DIY. Obviously, you say, Dad, I think, is that house going to be lived in you alone? Because I am not going to stay in a DIY house. And probably you say, no, 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 you know, YouTube is doing a very good job. So I've been watching videos, and uh, I think I have got the whole gist of putting a house together. Definitely, you will say, ah, okay, Dad, it's your house, we appreciate it's your idea but could you employ an architect and an engineer and a builder can they do that work it'll be more comforting but the joy we have right now the bible tells us that the church is god's idea the construction of it it's christ himself he says i will build my church He's simply saying that I will be the master builder. I have the idea. I am the architect. I am the engineer. And I am the one with the trowel. And I am the one who's putting mortar and brick together to ensure that this structure comes out in the manner that I want it to be. You see, there are many times when we become so preoccupied with building the visible church, meaning what we have right now, and forget about the master plan, or rather the master's plan, who is building this church that is beyond what we see. You see, there are many times we forget that we think that when Jesus says, I am building my church, we are so preoccupied with the thought that it is this physical material that is building. It is us having a beautiful appearance and creating a beautiful atmosphere inside and outside and having a wonderful ambience of what we call our local church structure. As good and as wonderful as that is, keep in mind that you see Jesus in his master plan, he has this invisible church. And all this is just the scaffolding that he is putting around and is making us work with it as he's directing us to build his church. And so Jesus Christ's architectural mind and plan is what he is doing to souls, is what he is coming after one and the other. Sending preachers and evangelists and witnessing and going out and telling people Christ is blood, Christ is born, Christ is risen, Jesus is at work, turn away from your sins. That is what Jesus is doing. That is the master's plan That is the architectural work going on And he's saying this is what I'm doing When you go out with the gospel You stand before a man He could have been the worst of criminals He could have been the worst of ladies or men out there And you present the gospel to him One who was so proud A show off, an insulter And mentioned the least And all of a sudden Their heart is melted At the presence and sound of the gospel And thereupon they fall on their knees And lift their eyes and cry to Jesus Save my soul, lest I perish And to such a one Jesus speaks And washes his heart in his blood And turns him and makes him his child And sets him apart and brings him in the church And there he is put as a block and mortar And another block comes and they the whole temple, the whole structure is rising, one after the other. And Jesus is saying, that's the work I'm doing. But you see, we forget. We forget that. And guess what? We lose focus of Christ and the constructive, construction work he's doing. We begin to think about the visible things. We are carried away by the budget of the church. We are carried away by the pillars that hold the the, the physical structure. We are carried away by the programs that we may have. We are carried away by our constitution, our confession. We are carried away by all those kind of things. While they are good, the Lord is saying, my act, architectural work is going on in human souls. Don't lose sight of that. While the scaffolding is necessary for you to step on and get on another level and begin to work on the next floor, while that is necessary, the building is not the scaffolding. At the end of the construction, none of us will stand by and say, wow, did you see that scaffold? Wow. Wow. I mean, you will be the most foolish observer of a construction if you are taken to a construction site and all you think about is the scaffolding. You come back and say, so how did you find the building? Oh, the scaffolding was just marvelous. Oh, but, but how about the building? Did you see the building? What do you think about the bricks and the design? You know what? You need to appreciate the scaffolding before you appreciate the building because the scaffolding the way you tie them na- okay we've heard about the scaffolding we are tired about the scaffolding now tell us what about the building and jesus is saying i am not preoccupied with my engineering with my architecture with my building i am not preoccupied with the scaffolding I am preoccupied with the building. And that's what he means when he says, I am building my church. Church, we need to have the right view and the right attitude about the scaffolding in relation to the construction of God's church. We need to have it right. We need to always remind ourselves that the scaffolding around is important, but it is nowhere comparable to the structure that the master builder is building. We need to remember how does the material structure play versus the spiritual structure. We need to ask ourselves, how does the people, the leaders, and all among us play in comparison to Christ himself? We need to ask ourselves, how do these all documentation and the structures of what we call church and denomination have a play in comparison to Christ's sanctifying truth? We need to answer those questions, church. And if we do answer them rightly, we will appreciate what the master builder is doing. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus is in the business of giving life to the dead. Jesus is in the business of washing sinners away from their sins. Jesus is in the business of giving people peace. Those who are troubled, and are hurting, and are crying, and are wondering what tomorrow looks like. And they are dying in one place or the other. And Jesus is in the business of taking the gospel to them, and causing their hearts to turn to him in repentance. And if they are already children, of God he is bringing comfort and peace to their hearts. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus is in the business of giving them the right to be called children of God. He tells us in John that those who tend to him, he gave them the right to be children of God. Jesus is in the business of giving eternal life. That's the construction Jesus is doing. That's the church Jesus is building. Yes, of course, he is using the scaffolding. Let me show you one scripture, or another rather. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and read verse 18 to 22. Listen to the Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself, to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled to his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's the business of Christ. That's the construction Jesus Christ is engaged in. And so for Christ to do this great work, we rejoice that he has various instruments. And this morning I am calling them the scaffolding. He has saints, great and small, that he is sending out to preach and relate the gospel. He has the ministry of the gospel and all its activities that surround that work. He is working by the third person of the Trinity, sanctifying, regenerating and sanctifying those that he is drawing unto himself. Friends, we must be thankful, and greatly so, that the work of building the church does not hang on our shoulders. doesn't hang on our shoulders, but it hangs on the shoulders of Christ. If the work of constructing Jesus' church was on my shoulders or any of the elders in this church, run away. Because I can assure you, I won't build you a church. First of all, the idea is not even in my mind. It is God's idea. So thank God The construction is being done by Christ. But not only is he building, not only is he the owner of this construction, but he tells us thirdly, the foundation upon which he is building. The foundation upon which he is building. And look at how he answers in our text. He says, I will build my church, um, rather earlier on, Simon Jonah, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. We know history, and which is a big debate that has gone on for many years, that others have concluded by saying, you know, the rock that Jesus is talking about here is actually Peter. He's saying, Peter, or Simon, Peter, upon you I will build my church. You see, Jesus didn't didn't need to play around with words if he meant he's going to build his church on Peter as the foundation. He would have simply told him and said, Peter, you will be the foundation and I'm going to build on you. But that's not what Jesus said. You see, Jesus was not interested in Peter per se, But Jesus was interested in their answering of the earlier question. Remember how he began the conversation? Who do people say I am? And whom do you say? And it was that statement or the confession that you are the Messiah. And Jesus tells Peter that this has been revealed by God to you. And upon this statement, upon this confession, I will build my church. And so Jesus draws our attention to the foundation. He says it will be built upon upon the rock. It is upon the confession that Peter made, the truth that God revealed to Peter. That is what Jesus is going to build his church upon, that Jesus Christ is the rock. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. For that reason, we don't go around witnessing to people or bringing the gospel to people by saying, you know what, come and join our church. Come and join KBC. Come and join EBC. No, no, we don't go around because the truth confessed is not that KBC is a great church. The truth confessed is not that Evangel Baptist is a big church. The truth confessed is not that this local church has it right. The truth confessed is that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And it's upon that confession. It is upon that body of truth. It is upon that that Jesus is building his church. And that is why every time we are either taking people through water baptism... Or bringing them into church membership, one of the things that individuals are asked is Would you share your testimony, your faith, your knowledge of Christ? And that question borders on this confession Is your soul in the Lord built on this confession? Is Jesus your Savior? And background check and work when the elders are doing that, that's one of the things we always pursue. Do you know the Lord? Are you a believer? Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? And what a joy every time we hear this confession pop up in people's minds or in lives. And they come join our numbers. We have no idea where they came from. We have no idea their background. A lot of us in here, I have no idea of where you're coming from. You are, well, you have an idea I came from evangelism. But that's not the point. You have no idea my background and my experiences and everything else. But you sit there rejoicing that one is One who's among us is one of us. Why? It is not because I'm Pastor Evangel. It is not because you are a member here at KBC. It is not because you are an elder at KBC. It is not because you are being ordained at Hillview. It is none of those except the fact that it is because all of us are being built on the confession that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. You leave your town, your country, your 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 world, and you go into another world. Let's say you, you go across Africa, into Australia, or into Indonesia, into America. And the first thing that you do when you get there as a believer is you begin to look for who? Where do the believers gather? Who are the Christians in this environment that I may know them? What are you asking? Who are those that are being built on this confession? That them and I may sit side by side, hold hands as mere bricks and mortar upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am building my church in that light. You see, friend, if you're not in Christ, if you're not in Christ, No matter how great your church life may be, you are still on slippery ground. Put your faith in Christ, for Jesus is the rock. The fourth item, as time may escape, before time escapes, listen to what Jesus tells us. He says, I will build my church, and what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to draw your attention to two last things. Firstly, the Bible is saying, I will build my church. Obviously, what we want to hear is Jesus says, I will build my church, and my church will be towering, and it will be beautiful, and it will be admirable, and everybody will run to it and want to be part of it. Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. In fact, it will have a lift, taking souls from earth to heaven. Now, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says immediately when he says, "I will build my church," the next phrase is, "the gates of hell." The gates of hell. What is Jesus doing? You see, Jesus is telling us that the church that is constructing is not merely in honeymoon. It is not that people are jumping in And then they take their seats And say, whew, we've arrived Whoo, we've survived Now we are on our way to heaven And like those Choruses of long ago We are rolling home You know, the devil You just grab him, throw him to the ground Step on him and we are rolling home no, Jesus says they are the gates of hell. What is Jesus? What's the implication of the Listen, church? The implication is that the prince of hell, the devil, will wage war against the church. He won't give peace to the church. That's what he says. And so when you go back through history, you will observe That the church has faced opposition, has been wrestled against, has been bombarded from all angles because the prince of hell out there is not resting. He is attacking as much as he can to try and destroy what God is doing. Now, come back to the illustration. The Bible is saying the building will not fall. He will still build. But you see, whatever the devil does out there, all his shots and every attack he does just hits the scaffolding. Just hits the scaffolding. At no one time does he manage to knock out the brick. And now the, 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 the building is at an angle and sooner than later it's going to fall. Now he knocks out another brick. And before long it's about to fall and God runs there and holds it. Hey, 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 put a brick, put a brick. And he puts it back. No, whatever attack he has continued, he hammers just the scaffolding. Aren't you glad that it is not the building being brought down? And so he reminds us that the church will be fought against throughout history. The church has been in warfare. The church has had conflicts. The body of Christ is daily wounded, short left, right, and center. But it still stands. Do you want to see the kind of encouragement Jesus gives to wounded soldiers? The kind of encouragement he gives to the church being hammered by all kinds of bazookas and all kinds of attack. I'll show you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus doesn't say, Oh, church, don't worry. I am nursing you. I am making sure. No, he's already told the disciples, like we have read, The gates of hell are present. They will wage war against you. But look at what he tells those who are under fire. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Listen, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Listen, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is saying, look, the church in its history has faced opposition. It is facing it right now. It has massive attack going on right now. And he says the persecution will be there, but here's your responsibility. Rejoice. Rejoice. Don't sit there and say, yeah, yeah, we are suffering, the level. No, the Bible is saying rejoice. Why? Because that's the atmosphere of the church. I remember years back, um, my pastor, by then I was just a youth pastor, and he would always say these words in our pastoral meetings. He says, brethren, the moment everything looks, it's going on fine. I mean, it's all like we are enjoying. There's work going on here. The youth ministry is flourishing. The mission work. Is, the moment we notice that, it is not time to drop our guard. It is actually time to be even more vigilant, because the next attack will throw us off our feet. And we will be shocked. So stay on your feet. Because the gates of hell are seeing the glorious work of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church. And the prince of hell is busy machining the next attack. And it will come soon. Look at Acts. Let's go to Acts. Acts 20. Like the words of the Lord Jesus, the Apostle Paul, leaving the church of Ephesus by the, the place of Melitas, And he says these words to the church. Matthew 20, oh, Acts 20. Listen to what he says, 28. He's telling the elders. He's reminding them that the gates of hell are here. They are present. Don't just stay for the last three years. We've enjoyed the work that Christ has done. And here we are as the church of Ephesus. But hold on. Hold on. Listen to what's going on. Verse 28. Pay careful attention. It's time to be vigilant. Stay on your feet. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God. Which he obtained with his own blood. Listen, church. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. But you see, it's so not just wolves coming from outside, even from within. Look at what he says, verse 30. And from among your own selves will arise men. Speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. The gates of hell, friends, are both out there and they are waging war. But the Bible also says from within yourselves. So the wolves are going to always attack the church of Jesus Christ. So church, expect trial, expect challenge, expect war, expect insults, expect all possible damage, but Christ will sustain his building, and all that is going to hit the scaffold. And when we are so preoccupied by the scaffold, we will be hurt in our hearts. And we'll say, but why? But why? How can we? But you see, if we are preoccupied by the building, we will rejoice and be glad because Christ will sustain it. Lastly, look at what Jesus says. That not only the gates of hell are present and doing their attack, but he says, shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What he's now saying is the church will actually persevere. The Bible and history shows us that nations have come and gone. Nobody ever thought the great Babylon would ever crumble in the manner in which it crumbled. Nobody ever thought the Ninevites Will ever be destroyed by merely a small stream of water that brought the whole mighty city and nation of the Ninevites to its knees? Well, history tells us the Greeks had risen in their greatness, and nobody ever thought that the rising of a little kingdom of the Romans would wipe it out, or even the Romans themselves. But not only those we can come even within our African history. We never thought the kingdom of the Zulus and the Shaka Zulu would ever come to rubble and ruin. And many other history. Kingdoms have come and gone. Mighty men have come and gone. They've done unbelievable things. You read of men like Alexander the Great, less than 33 years old, has conquered almost the whole world. And yet, he is but merely part of history today. Heroes have come and gone. Beloved, the Bible is saying the church still marches on. The church still marches on. The Bible tells us 12 men turned the world upside down. The Bible tells us that these men were attacked, James beheaded. Peter and John equally arrested several times. Peter later on crucified. Apostle after apostle, either crucified, pierced with a sword, burnt, and all other kinds of things except for John who finally dies in old age. We jump into the history of the church. Men of greatness and the name of Jesus upon them have been sworn into two, have been slaughtered, have been killed in various ways. The book of Hebrews tells us of how these men and women of mighty faith. We can read the stories of the martyrs and how they died at the jaws and the teeth of lions and tigers and wolves. And yet the Bible says the church marches on. Jesus said, church, his church will prevail. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. You know, he tells us that it is like a building that is built upon a rock when the wind comes, when the storm comes, and everything else shakes it. It does not fall. No matter the challenge, Christ will build. He will sustain. He will protect. And he will provide. And it will last until he returns. Well friend as I run to a close I told you I'll ask you two questions and my first question is are you part of the church that Jesus is constructing or you're merely part of the scaffolding are you part of the building that Jesus is putting together or You are just part of the scaffolding. You are part of the scaffolding. And sooner and later, when he comes to gather his church to himself, you will be separated and heaped together with all the paws and the nails and the wood and all the other things that were just part of the scaffolding. Where are you? Where are you? You see, dear friend, if all you have done and experienced is simply the religion of the church and have never experienced Christ, I would like to remind you, you are but a scaffolding. You are but but this all that is being gathered around the building And there the master builder is trying to do this and trying to do that. And you're there, hey, please pass me that stone. Throw it away. Hey, pass me that little bar. Hey, tie this scaffold properly. And you are not the brick that the Lord is lifting, cleaning up, and setting on his building. Lifting, cleaning up, and setting on his building. My friend, if that's the case, turn to Christ. Cry to the Lord this morning and seek Him to save your soul. Plead with Him if you've realized this morning that you are but a sinner, one whom when the Lord gathers all his to himself, you are not part of the structure. Cry to the Lord to save your soul. He surely will. But secondly, believer, what are you doing in God's church. What are you doing in God's church? Have you remained focused on the Lord's construction of his church? Are your eyes beaming beyond the scaffolding and seeing the building or maybe you've become short-sighted and all you see is the scaffolding? And all of a sudden, as a believer, you have lost the mission and the work of Christ, and you have been overtaken by the agenda of the scaffolding. Where are you? Friends, it is very easy for us believers to forget what Christ is constructing. It's very easy for us believers To be worried about the building. To be worried about the documentation. To be worried about everything, as good as they are. And become so short-sighted that we stop seeing this confession of Christ. I will build my church. Believer, be encouraged this morning. Look beyond the scaffolding. And focus on the construction of Christ. Don't be carried away by all these simple structures around Don't be carried away by losing what Christ is doing. And you even stop. At times we even forget about the scaffolding. We start even looking at the bricks. eh? When you go back to the construction site, and bricks, do bricks spend their whole time, if they were given the ability to speak, would they spend their whole time just talking about each other? Yeah, this brick. (laughs) Would they spend their time just talking about this brick and 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 this brick? brick brick? No. When you go to a construction site, the bricks are very humble and they are waiting upon the master builder to lift them, to clean them, to set them up. And when he puts them in that corner, they will forever be in that corner holding the other bricks, holding the building, remaining focused on what the master builder is doing that we are a structure for his own glory. Believers, there are so many times that we forget what Christ is doing. And we begin to think about the scaffolding, we begin to think about the brick and the mortar and the nails, and yet we forget Christ's work. I encourage you this morning, do not be carried away by our simple focus on scaffolding and all, but remain committed to the subject, and that is the work of Christ himself, the construction that Jesus is doing, building his church. Listen once more. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we are so grateful that you are the builder of your church. And we are just merely instruments in the hands of a holy God. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege of making us mere brick and mortar, mere instruments, mere things that you're using. But, Lord, our plea is that we as your children cause our hearts and minds not to lose sight of the structure you're building. While we appreciate all the scaffolding that is being used by you, yet we still should be preoccupied by your temple, by your church. And Father, we thank you that this morning, not only do you speak to us, but you give us a test of what you're doing by what's happening at Hillview. You are building your church. We praise your name, Lord, for this. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.